0: Hey there, I'm Becca, just another therapist making a podcast about mental health. I figured that I would tell some stories, share some wisdom, and figure out some of my own stuff along the way. After all, those who can't do, become therapists. Welcome to Becca Stories. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, good insomnia, whatever time of day it is. I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad you're listening to the podcast. I think that if you've made it this far, which it's really only the third episode, but I mean, kudos to you, you've made it far. And I say that because this is probably the biggest accomplishment that I've made. So yeah, kudos to both of us. Is it the biggest accomplishment I've ever made? No, probably not. (laughs) Self-worth, it does a lot for someone. Well, last week's episode was mostly about me losing my stuffed animal, Horsey. Uh, It was really difficult for me to get past this. I truly felt like Horsey was my only security that I had. And as I grew older, I had other securities that were important to me. Most of my securities were put in people. I depended a lot on friendships, but as I learned quickly, it was fleeting. I know that it's hard to imagine, but I was very adventurous. I found myself constantly wanting to do something more. I would put myself out there and it's almost like I would kind of expect people to follow along. So you can imagine the disappointment when people didn't. My childhood really wasn't a bad childhood. And as I said in my first episode, this is something that I've had a lot of clients tell me when they discount their trauma. They try to make excuses for their trauma and the bad things that have happened to them in their teenage years or their young adulthood because they didn't feel as if their childhood was as bad as what other people had experienced. So even now, as I tell this story, I feel like it's almost wrong for me too. So why is it that someone who grew up in a good home with a good family has the right to talk about her stories and how she developed a trauma brain? So you might say, first of all, I tell my clients things that I need to tell myself constantly and just how it works in therapy. So I'm going to say this trauma has a different, different definition for everyone. I feel the need to reframe what I went through and try to see it as a lesson. No, not a lesson that I or someone else did something wrong in my life, but a lesson that can help us to understand that anxiety and depression doesn't affect one single population. So we're going to dive in and reframe this fantastic story. As I told you all last week, I grew up in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. It's crazy now living in Northwest Arkansas because there's like 20 different schools to choose from. And I drive by them when I'm going through town and it's like semi-overwhelming. In Arkadelphia, there's literally one school per grade level. You don't get a choice. And honestly, I didn't think that that was a problem. I mean, I didn't know that you could choose from schools and other places. So I guess I didn't really think that that was a thing. I don't know. Anyways, my time at parent primary was incredible. Um, that was kindergarten and first grade. Um, at the time, uh, pre-K wasn't a grade, um, in public school. So I had, pre-K in like a daycare program, which is what I had talked about when I lost horsey. So, um, parent primary was just kindergarten and first grade. Um, I had this amazing principal, Mrs. O'Quinn, and she brought the school to life. Um, uh, my teacher had a Dagum tree house in her playground. I mean, it doesn't get any better than a tree house with big bird on it. And, in uh, the library, there was like this big tree painted on it and it had like the leaves coming off of it. And I remember like we, ooh, we had these like cross guards that um, you could like kind of hang out with them and like we dressed up as like safety guards and then we had... Uh, I could explain all these things to you, but then you would just think I'm weird. So I'm not going to go any further, but um, yeah, my kindergarten and first grade experience was pretty awesome. And then everything just kind of went downhill from there. So sorry um, for everything else, but Miss Quinn was probably the best principal that I ever had uh, because she just really brought school to life for us. So I really think we all kind of remember our experiences when we were in kindergarten and our teachers would tell these like wild and crazy stories. So maybe there was something that stood out to you the most, whether it was like in gym or art class, but this particular experience for me was during story time. My teacher was also very creative. Uh, During the winter of 1999, uh, she decided to read us The Gingerbread Man. I didn't understand back then how this book was going to play such a critical role in my life, but the fact that I can still visualize and feel every moment of that experience has got to mean something to me. So, as my teacher is reading us this book, we're all listening like, okay, this is our normal story time. After reading it, she got out the ingredients to make... A legit gingerbread ginger Gingerbread man? Wow. Words. I'm not even going to re-record that because that was awesome. Okay. She gets out the ingredients to make like a legit gingerbread man. Okay. Dude. Bring food into the equation and Becca's in. Right? So she's like not just like bringing in the pre-made shit. She's like kneading the dough and rolling it out. She's like shaping out one big cookie and voila, it's done and it's perfect. Okay. So as a class, we all walk down to the cafeteria and we watch the lunch ladies put the gingerbread man into the oven. They close the oven up and being our naive selves, we think that in 20 to 30 minutes, we're going to have a giant cookie. Some time passes and we hear the lunch ladies are running down the hall. Now, pause for the cause. If you have not actually read the story of the gingerbread man, get your ass over to the Googles or the YouTubes or whatever these kids are doing these days and read your story of The of the actual gingerbread man because big spoiler alert, I'm about to ruin it all for you. Okay. But they come over and they're running down the hall and they start knocking on the classroom door in a panic and they whisper to the teacher. And all of a sudden the teacher tells us we have some bad news. The lunch ladies opened the oven and the gingerbread man ran right out of the oven. We looked all over and we tried to catch it, but we can't find him. Conveniently at the same exact time that this happened, the bell rang and it was time for recess. Now, This is back, you know, in like the nineties when we had recess like three times a day. And they actually figured out like, Hey, if we have recess more, the kids will actually learn things, but you know, minor details don't get me started on our public school system because (laughs) it sucks. Um, back to the story. The bell rang and we all lined up to go to recess. There was like a group of six or seven of us and we got into this huddle outside. We were pretty much like, okay, guys, we're going to get together and we're going to find the gingerbread man. And this is how we're going to do it. So man, as I'm telling this story, I can really vividly remember the details it was cold outside, so I'm, like, wearing mittens. I'm pretty sure it was, like, a purple outfit that I was wearing with a hat on. It was, like, you know, like, one of those, like, uh, like you know what I'm saying, like, a winter knit hat, and it had uh, Minnie Mouse's face on it. And then I remember us, like, being in the huddle and uh, being, like, okay, ready, break. And then... Um, We all went off into our separate ways on the playground and we searched for the gingerbread man. Obviously, the gingerbread man wasn't on the playground because, well, I mean, obviously, it wasn't going to be on the playground. It's not real. But we're children. We're having fun. That's what children do. Right? Um... But we did that for, like, our whole, like, 20, 30-minute recess time. So it was like the bell or the whistle rang, whatever it was, we all gathered back in line, and we went into the classroom. Well, we get into the classroom, and the teacher asks if we found the gingerbread man. So we tell her that we didn't, and we're feeling, like, super defeated down in the dumps until the lunch ladies come in, and, dude, they just, like, save the day they knock on the classroom door and are like we caught him he was running around the cafeteria we chased him until we got him in a corner we stuck him on a pan we put him back in the oven we cooked him all the way and now he's done so they bring him into the classroom we all decorate him we cut him up and we eat a piece honestly like now that i'm thinking about it kind of super morbid. I never really thought about like how much time my classmates and I spent searching for a cookie that was running away from us because we are ultimately trying to kill and eat it. Damn, it's kind of fucked up. Anyways, so it was a really good day. I have a lot of memories in kindergarten, but that day in particular was a very good day. I just liked having those fun memories and really feeling like I belonged. And it was really, really important to me. Um, the stuff that we used to do on the playground before we realized like that we could make fun of each other, because there was a point before we discriminated against each other when we actually just liked each other for no reason whatsoever. Um, that was... That was some good stuff. So go back. Okay. I derailed for just a second, but I come home and I can't wait to tell my mom all about my day. And it was almost like we had this routine. Mom would sit on the couch and I would sit on her lap and I would tell her all about my day. This day in particular was so crazy that it was almost Unbelievable. I told her the story just like I told you, but kind of like in a five-year-old, excited, not-so-organized voice. I remember feeling a tad bit disappointed after telling her this story. It wasn't because she didn't like the story, but it was more like this feeling in my gut. I felt like, I mean, like I told her too much. Even though I knew that everything I said was true, I could see how one might believe that it wasn't. I mean, who has that much of an adventure all in one day without references? And in all reality, was the story that necessary? So at this point, this is when Becca's stories really started to flourish. It was cool at first, but... um. But it was because I thought that it was, like, highlighting my attention to detail. But as I kept telling stories, it almost seemed like I was being made fun of. It was just too much drama. Um, Now I say it out loud, but back then it was more about what I would say on the inside. It was like, this freaking thing just happened. Why does it have to be a story? Why can't it just be, like, an actual thing that just happened? Why can't it be something that happened in my day? Why can't I just give you the details? Why can't I just tell you what happened? This is literally something that I say out loud, like, a lot <laughs> these days. Um, it's always been natural for me to give the detail of my day-to-day events, but because I had the reputation of Becca Stories, I kind of felt like... um. A good comparison would be The Boy Who Cried Wolf. The only exception is that the things that were happening to me were actually true. It made me just want to shut up. I started seeking other ways, places, people to give details that eventually became dangerous. I didn't recognize that the ways people, places I was giving details to were abusing me. I didn't realize that the attention that was being given to me was actually being used against me. It didn't matter at the moment though, because just like any other abuser, they made me feel special and wanted. It made me feel like I was never going to win it. Oh God. Um, it felt like it was too late is really what it came down to a lot of the time. Okay, so uh, here's where things get a little bit sticky. And if you didn't think that what I just said was sticky, then uh, stickier. Um, Do you blame the person that made you feel this way? Uh, No. Okay, why the hell not? This is something that I have a lot of clients come to therapy for. They struggle with resentment towards family members, friends, abusers, and say, they're the ones that did this to me or they have the opposite experience where they say, I put myself in this situation. As a therapist, I have to reframe the situation from either this is not your fault. You had no control over the situation, or this is not their fault. They did the best that they could with the resources, resources that they had at the moment. Really, if you look at it, Both are pretty shitty options. So how do we reframe Becca stories? How do we make it okay for the way that I felt? How do I validate that the stories like the gingerbread man are important and I don't need to seek approval for any future details that I share in my experiences? I really think that the real question is, how does trauma affect the brain? Which, bro, if I had the answer, I would have fixed myself by now. But I am still pretty fucked up. And to be honest with you, there are some days where I don't have it all together. I just don't know how to react. Being brutally honest, I still go to therapy. And you know it's crazy because you would think that, like... Therapists would support each other and stuff, but I had a therapist at one point tell me that was stupid. She said, isn't it weird going to therapy when you should know how to treat yourself? Like, are you serious? Damn, lay it on thick for a second. If I didn't have enough guilt for feeling this way already, now I have to worry about the fact that I can't treat myself? Damn. (laughs) Damn. And I mean, on top of that, I mean, like I've been discriminated in my field for not having my shit together. And so that makes me a bad therapist. And then I've been, you know, asked to leave positions because of that, because I don't have my shit together. So yeah, that's pretty, pretty fun. Pretty fun stuff. So... I've learned in the years of trying to work through and process these stories and memories that it's mostly tied back to my reaction to the events, not a person, place, or thing. It would be so much easier if it was tied to a certain person, place, or thing Then I could just learn to let that person, place, or thing go and move the fuck on. When I started in the counseling field, um, I worked in a halfway house. Guys would get out of prison, and I would be one of the first people that they would see for counseling. And trust me, these guys did not want to come to counseling, like, at all. It was a requirement of their parole and the halfway house program. They would get all upset because they would have staff members, and I say members plural, but really... It was one staff member in particular that they would complain about, but they would have staff members and people at their job telling them what to do. Um, Upset is a nice way to put it. Really, they would just get like super pissed off. Um, It's almost like they spent time in prison and they felt like they deserved the world. I'd have to explain to them that it wasn't that simple. Just because you quote unquote, pass some test and spent some time following rules for a certain amount of months or years doesn't mean that you've earned some free pass at never having to obey laws ever again. Hello, that's what got you there in the first place. What they didn't realize was that the entitlement is what got them there in the first place. Well, guess what? They didn't really like that answer. So I said, you cannot control other people. You can only control how you react to it. (sighs) Lord, I'm going to say that one more time because I probably should listen to my own advice. Okay. So I said, you cannot control other people. You can only control how you react to it. The shitty part about being a therapist is that you give all these clients great advice. And then a good percentage of the time, you just want to be a stubborn ass that refuses to take it yourself. But in order to thrive, I had to start telling myself that. Even in the past two days, I have to tell myself that I cannot control what other people are saying about me. It is so frustrating. Oh my God. So frustrating. I just... Want to scream sometimes that people don't know the whole story. Even when I tell the whole story. Because 99% of the time, I do tell the whole story because I give too much fucking detail. How ridiculous is that? And then you tell me I give too much detail. So then I just shut up. Damn. So let me take a step back and realize that I said that because that's some earth shattering stuff. I still get angst inside of me when people say, get to the point, or you made that way longer than what it needed to be. Or maybe it's stop being a drama queen. This is something that I really need to continue to work on. And last week, when I should have been releasing this podcast, I went to therapy. I talked about how this story continues to play a big role in my life and how I needed to discover its roots. So um, my therapist and I moved forward with EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization reprocessing therapy. (sighs) It's a long word. Okay. But... A lot of people that have dealt with trauma have probably looked up this therapy at some point. It's a type of trauma therapy that helps you connect the dots between the present and the past. At that moment, I learned a lot about Becca as a five-year-old. I learned that she was scared. I learned that she was telling her stories because she felt that it was the only good quality about her. She knew that she was creative, but she didn't believe that she was smart. She knew that she was descriptive, but she didn't believe that she was beautiful. She knew that she had a voice, but she didn't believe that she had worth. Becca's stories protected me. That five-year-old little girl played a significant role in my whole life. Unconsciously, I would think, if I tell this story, people won't pay attention to my weight, looks, lack of smarts, etc. Crazy enough, I... Honestly, didn't realize that until now. Yes, I want to be heard. But I also want to love myself. Loving myself is probably going to take a lot more work and living up to everyone else's expectations. Actually, it's probably going to be pretty stressful because at the end of the day, I still enjoy the detail. It doesn't mean... That I have to give up the detail. It just means that I need to learn how to love myself. It's a funny idea, though. um, Stress. Living to my own ideals bringing me stress. And honestly, I think I'm okay with that. Because I... I do get stressed pretty easily, but sometimes like I kind of like it and people, you know, they see me stressed out and they're like, okay, calm down, calm down, calm down. And, and sometimes I just, I like it. I feel like I thrive in it sometimes. Like, yes, I, I will cry and yes, I will get upset sometimes, but sometimes it's like, I just, I need it. Sometimes I just need the release. Sometimes I just need to almost get to the top so I can just be calm at the bottom. And I think I'm okay with stressing out for a bit as I find my groove in life. I want to work to get it right at my own pace, which may look really chaotic to someone else. But for me, I think it's going to be pretty awesome. The cool part about this podcast is that you get to follow along for the show, which I'm like a huge fan of The Office. So basically, you're going to be like watching The Office or listening to The Office, but like not because you're like following my life, but like my old life slash new life. So... I'm going to be honest moving forward on something that I am struggling with as I end this episode. I just want to say I have been really stressed about a couple things when it comes to this podcast. And maybe that's a part of me delaying this episode because um, I obviously needed to do a lot of that work in therapy to create this episode Um, I needed to figure out where I was moving forward with this and I needed to do the processing to figure out like, okay, where does Becca really lie? And what, what was five-year-old Becca really trying to accomplish with this episode? Um, but I've been stressed out about my future stories, um, because I've gone through a lot of stuff that. I think people were aware of when I was younger, but then chose not to do anything about. And they chose not to do anything about it because I didn't let them see that it affected me in a negative way. And as I have processed things, I've realized how negative that was in my life. So I want to be able to include that in my podcast because it shows how much it affected my mental health and how it has created, um, how it created some problems for me. Um, and I desire to create a space for others to know that they're not alone. And if they're struggling, then I want them to know, Hey, you're not alone. Um, but I also desire to create a space for myself where I know I'm not alone, too. Um, in this, I know names are going to get figured out because Arkadelphia is a small town. Um, I didn't necessarily hang around a lot of people. I hung around some of the same people all the time. People are going to connect dots. So... I'm not necessarily going to apologize for some of the things that I'm going to say, but I do want people to be aware that this is difficult for me as I move forward. And it may take more time for me. Um, And just to be patient as I'm learning how to let go of control and to process more, I think that it's going to be critical for me to, um, to take this one step at a time. So thank you guys for uh, tuning in to another episode. I always appreciate um, the listeners being here. Um, and I know it's not a lot right now, and it's going to take a while for us to build, but the fact that you're here and that you're listening means a lot to me. Um, please make sure you share. Um, so that way we can continue to grow and let other people know that they're not alone too. Um, mental health is about building a community. So appreciate you guys. I'll see you in the next episode. Have a good week. congratulations you have made it through a whole entire episode of the becca stories without complaining about how long and drawn out my stories are now go on to all my forms of social media at the becca stories and share and like all my content let's go ahead and make mental health less of a stigma and let's talk about all the shit that's bothering us sound good sounds good to me awesome i'll see you in the next episode